Welcome to Word is Truth. We're continuing where we left off. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, January 3rd, 2021. And we're going to continue with the thought of the week in prayer. Okay. At this time, we'll have the thought of the week. The bad news brings the reality of our true condition before God and does not have anything to do with how we choose to live our lives. It doesn't matter if we are rich or poor. It doesn't matter where you were born or your race. It doesn't matter if you make good decisions with your life and plan well for your retirement. It doesn't matter if you are responsible and haven't squandered your health or wealth. It doesn't matter if you are proud of your life or if you are ready to take your life because you are ashamed of it. Eternally speaking, it just does not matter. According to the word, everyone born in Adam from every category, Jew or Gentile, is lost, whether they know it or not, or whether they choose to believe it or not. The notion that we can be self-sufficient here is simply wrong. We need God. We need a Savior. There is no room for arrogance here. We are all in the same boat together. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Yes, you must accept that there is bad news for all of us. But to counter this, God has some very good news. So once you hear and understand the bad news, wouldn't you want to hear and understand the good news? Surely, God did condemn the whole human race in Adam. And in doing this, all of those who are in Adam shall die. But God did make a way of escape through his only son, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And he died for the sins of the whole world. And in believing in him, you shall have life eternal. At this time, we'll have Dwight with prayer. Thank you very much, Bill. All right, I'll be praying for our church and our families, etc. Are there any special requests in addition to that? Um, let's pray for Word is Truth, as you already mentioned, but that we continue to grow and be productive in this world in 2021. Very kind. All right. Anybody else? Okay. So let's bow our heads before God in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful opportunity in this new year, despite all the challenges in this world, um, that we can still gather together to reflect on your word, apply it to our lives, and let it change our lives. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
and I pray for the Water Street Church itself and the, and the facility that we have um, to be able to connect from remote areas and to discuss the deep things of God. And I pray that your hand would be on us and watching over us as we go forward in 2021, um, looking to exercise some changes in our strategy and, and improvements for our growth. Let this be an outreach for many people who are seeking you, seeking you diligently and wanting to know the deep things of God, not, a, not wanting to be satisfied with things that are, you know, scratching their itching ears, uh, but wanting to know the truth, for your word is truth. And also pray for the church worldwide, which is the body of Christ. We are all in the body of Christ. Um, and I pray that, you know, our believers, our brothers and sisters around the world, um, are kept in place where they continue to be able to serve you and get to know you better and, and have fellowship with you and each other. I pray that, um, you know, we do have needs in this world as well. Um, and I pray that those, um, you know, sickened by um, the coronavirus or, or those that are losing members of their family due to this, I, I pray for relief um for this world it's, it's just very sad to see what is going on um and we know that it's not your plan to make this world a better place for you have an eternal plan to bring many brothers and sisters into glory and it is about desiring people to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth and that is what we hope to focus on so let the eyes of our hearts be focused on the inheritance that is guaranteed to us and the growth that is available through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, let us apply ourselves in the lessons that we learn, and, and may you give Doug uh, Presley the wisdom to be able to reflect uh, your truth that you want us to assimilate in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dwight and Bill. We appreciate that. We are going to move forward in this new year with verse 16 of John 15 it reads you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last and so whatever you ask in my name father will give you but we have uh, another verse in front of us we are sort of dealing with some of the verses that uh, Jesus sections off with love for one another. And we want to continue that focus and see what this verse yields for us. You have notes. So in your notes, while we may live through the disciples' foundational work of, for the church, they are unique. We can see the details of their calling and equipping by the Lord. We both are part of one body and members together. Imagine the opposition they had to face, not only from the world, but from the religious leaders. They lived their entire lives under Israel and its culture, and for them, it was home. Now they are called to walk by faith and be led by the spirit of truth. 
all of this was very new for them. They could not depend on what was familiar, but had to depend on our Lord's testimony. His testimony was supported by signs, wonders, and miracles, of which Christ's own resurrection was the greatest witness. I can imagine many in their families had to make decisions to stand with them or with their own heritage. In all of this, <clears throat> God had a plan. and We are here today because of this plan. So this is uh, another verse where Jesus is emphasizing about our friendship and what it and what's involved in being friends. So let's take this phrase. I don't know if we're going to finish this whole thought, but we'll attempt to. So John 15 and the first phrase, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So I say it is certainly true. They did not choose Christ. Christ is the one who chose them. Jesus is referring here to the special calling the disciples are receiving to be in Christ. So why do I say that? Because a person who's reading this are not going to say, oh yeah, he chose them. Because the in Christ designation did not exist when he chose them. But Christ knew it would. He, he knew that this was the plan. And he, when he called those disciples, those are the very ones who became the apostles. So uh, anybody who is in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So when I think about the disciples and all the things they thought, I think about Peter in Acts, where the sheet was let down with all manner of unclean animals and beasts. And Peter, if it was up to Peter, he could have rose up and, he said, it would have been better if God would have said, rise up, Peter, and slay those animals. <laughs> but no, God said, Peter, I want you to get up and I want you to eat. Well, Peter was, no way would I ever think about eating such animals. According to Peter's way, it was just it was just not a part of their culture. He never, ever ate such things. This is the old is gone, the new has come. In your life as a Gentile, that is also true. I know your culture is not the culture of Israel. This is not to say anybody listening to this is a Gentile. Anybody who's listening to this, they could be Jew or Gentile. But I'm referring, I already talked about the Jewish side with Peter. Now, but I want to talk about the Gentile side, which is with us, who I know have the Gentile background. What old has passed away for you? And what new has come? Uh, so that is... People think, yeah, the church is now Gentile. We're, since we're not Jewish anymore, we're Gentile. That's not true. God is made of the one, the Jews and the Gentiles one new man. So the new man is not Jewish, 
or Gentile-ish. We have to come to the understanding of, of that and depart from, just like they had to, depart from their, their cultural and traditional norms and standards. We do have to do the same. And listen, their cultural norms and standards were infused with God. The feast days, the holy days, those were those, their, their holidays were Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles and the, I could go on. Those were their holidays. But we are not to look, look at those as something spiritual for the church, even though the Passover represents Exodus, where God led the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and so forth, right? But what we have to compare with ourselves is how, how do we see ourselves? Do we see our lives changing? Can there be a sheet let down with all of the things that are so familiar or unfamiliar to us and we are told, to consume these things. As Gentiles, we need to think about that. The church is not Gentile it, or Jew. It is something new. God, something never before seen on this earth. That's us. Even though we're here, we're not of this world. And then Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, uh, just to note, Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 says, In him we were also chosen, in Christ, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's, uh, that's the goal. That's God's goal. We were chosen. Now That goes all the way back to verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So then Paul says in verse 12, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So Paul is saying he's the first, they are the first generation of the church. The first generation of this new body that is um, not Jewish, it is not Gentile, but God took from Jews and Gentiles and he made this one new body. So taking from those two does not mean we merge all the things that Jews had and Gentiles had together. It means that we depart from the things that Jews and Gentiles had to become something new. So practically God did this for us, but the reality is how we live it and execute it on the ground. That's what we're called to do. So, this first point is, yes, Christ chose them. We did not choose this for ourselves. In fact, all I have is thankfulness in my heart for what God did from eternity past by choosing me to be here right now. Let's move forward. Point B. This is a quote from John 17. Let's turn to John 17, 6 through 8. Let's look at it. See John 17, 6 through 8. This is Jesus talking in prayer or praying to the Father. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, 
and they have obeyed your word. He's talking about the disciples. We can't extend this to the whole world, right? And to every or to every saved person, as some groups have done. <laughs> but this is talking specifically about the disciples. And the disciples here uh, are spoken of in the in the direct context. So that's how we know this. And then in verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them, who's them, all that he's a disciple, alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So notice, it's not a believe in me through uh, their seed. In other words, that their children and all that. It's not a racial thing. It is through their message. So it's the message that we all assemble around the table, around the word, to, to meet together and to be together as one. It's around this message. Yeah, there's going to be diversity of places where we came from, but there's one message that is unique. So now it's talking about a greater body of people who will believe in, in Christ through the message that the disciples uh, established, the foundation that they established. So there's a lot there in this verse. And then I'll, I'll continue through John 17, 7. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. And they knew with certainty that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. So this is... So Jesus is saying, you, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now you can see that they belong to the Father. The Father is the one that chose them from eternity past. As Jesus is acknowledging, they were yours. You, though you gave them to me. Right? I revealed those who you gave me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me. So Jesus, Jesus didn't arbitrarily... Just decide, hey, I just like the way I'm just going to pick these people because I like the way they, they respond to me. I, these people were chosen, and Jesus knew this from the Father. They were, it wasn't just that he chose anybody. They were specifically chosen. It wasn't just Peter, James, and John. It could have been some other ones. Right? And we don't know their names, but it wasn't them. Because the names of Peter, James, and John were specific. The Father knew them by name. And when I say by name, I mean by person. It wasn't just any Peter. It wasn't just any Simon. Simon, son of this one. Uh, Judas, son of that one. Make sure we know which one we're talking about. I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Yeah. So think about it. Point C, they were yours. For he, and this is where it is. I just gave you Ephesians 1 4, for he chose us before, uh, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That is what it means they were yours. Because the Father is the one who picks. You know, with Eastern marriages, if we were to stretch into another analogy, guess who picks the bride for the son? 
Not the son, but the father. Father chooses the bride. That sounds uh, backwards in this country, but listen, that's just the way they did things. And that analogy stands for us to understand a spiritual reality of how the father chose us for to be united to the person of Christ. There, that analogy is played out, especially in Ephesians 5, where he says, where he talks about husbands and wives, and he says, this is the great mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. So who chose us? Was it Christ? No, it was the Father who chose us. And Christ says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Well, how did Christ have the understanding to choose them? Because it was the Father's will. And he was following that. Hopefully you understand that. That's what it says. Point D. Let's move forward. But I chose you. Right? That last phrase. You did not choose me, but I chose you. The Father chose them from eternity past. The Son called them out in time. Now, who's them? He's talking about the disciples. Remember, that's our context here in John 15. He's talking literally to those people who are standing there, those 11 disciples who are standing there. Why 11? Because Judas Iscariot has departed. He's already on his way to betray Christ and to tell them where Christ will be. So then, um, uh, point this, this point here is Luke. I will read it, 6, 12 through 16. Luke 6, 12 through 16 is the literal calling of the 12. So let's look at it. So one of, uh, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Notice it's not specific. It wasn't like Monday, uh, circa A.D. What? He, Luke is just pointing this out. All right. So And spent the night praying to God. Now, uh, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. So notice, this is interesting when we think about how Jesus chose the disciples. There were other disciples that were there, but he only chose certain ones. So this goes back to the thought that the Father told Christ which ones. He made sure he, he chose the ones that the Father had designated him to choose. We need to see it that way. So when we see Jesus, this is typical that Jesus spent the night in prayer before he made this decision. He communed with the Father. That's what that would be to say. He spent the night communing with the Father in prayer. And then when morning came, was the first thing he did? He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Now, when we say apostles, we know there are some exceptions to this, and we know they weren't designated as apostles at that particular point. That, that happened later. So, we, we just fill in, in some of the blanks here. Who did he choose? Well, let's get into it. Simon, who he named Peter. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, 
Simon, who is also called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Notice there are some, because when we say James, uh, then we got two Jameses. So, well, how do we distinguish? Oh, no, this is James, son of Alphaeus. So we got Simon, who, who, whom he named Peter. In other words, there's history here. And remember, Luke is writing retrospectively. He's not writing as things happen. This is after Jesus left that, Judah, uh, that Luke began to chronicle these things. So that's why we have the descriptions that are here. And Luke is very careful to distinguish who he's referring to. Not just any James. John, no, James here. This James is the son of Alphaeus. Simon, who was also called the Zealot. So Simon, who was also called the Zealot, is not the same as Simon Peter. Right, you should know that. Judas, son of James, is not the same as Judas Iscariot. There are two different Judases in the twelve that are chosen. So just some history of when Jesus says, but I chose you. So there's the record, I think, in Luke. There are other uh, sister verses that you could find in other Gospels where... He names the twelve, or but I like what Luke does here. Good, a good uh, record of what we have in the choosing here. I chose you. This is what Christ said, and there it is. And we know why he chose them. There were other disciples, but no, he only chose these twelve. He knew Judas was going to betray him already. So all of this was in the Father's plan. I think Jesus chose Judas by mistake. No, it wasn't by mistake. It was part of according to the plan and that he would choose Judas. Remember, the whole thing that Christ got on the cross, that was all planned as well. God knew that that was going to happen. Let's keep going so we see about the choosing. So the Father and Christ knew all of them by name for, for this special calling. We have to say a special because he didn't just choose disciples to follow him around for Israel so that he becomes the Messiah of Israel. He, he, cho he chose these disciples to become the apostles of the church. That's right. And he knew them by name. And so I'd have to extend that. He also knows each one of us by name as well. It's not just, well, I'm choosing generally people in the church. Anybody who happens to join, well, I'm going to call you church. I'm going to call you a part of the church. If you just, it's up to you. And if you want to be a part of the church, you could join. It's, it's not like that at all. This is very specific, as we see. And it's, it was very specific for them. And it's very specific for us. And back to John 17, 20 through 21. So we see that. Um, this is where we... We've just spoken of, I'm going John 17, here it is, 20. My prayer is not for them, the disciples alone. So Jesus is saying that those ones who were chosen to be part of the foundation of the church, I'm not just praying for them, but I'm praying also for those who will believe in me through their message. And verse 21, that all of them may be one. Them with us, that is, may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I'm in that. You are in that. So the only way you could be in that is if he chose you in him before the creation of the world. That means he knew exactly who you are. He didn't know about you or around about you. He knew exactly who you were. And that's when he made the decision to choose you to be in Christ before time began, before the creation of all things. That's, that's specific. Our choosing is not random. Like whosoever believes in Christ will be part of the church. That's whosoever believes in Christ will not perish but have eternal life. That's true. That, that was always true. Not in what dispensation? More so now. In this age, God is the one who initially chose you to be in Christ. Your calling, your vocation on the ground has already been chosen before time began. So, that to me is very interesting. And then let's continue. I know, yeah, we don't have that much time. But the, the last apostle for the church, right, is the Apostle Paul. Who's the last one? Is it Judas? Is it Matthias? Well, Judas is out because he betrayed Christ and he committed suicide. He's done. He never was a believer. Is it Matthias who they chose in Acts chapter 1? They got together and made the choice? It wasn't. I'm, Matthias is in the church age. There's no doubt. But remember, that special group of people who are the foundation of the church are unique. So God already knew that the Apostle Paul was going to be part of that. He didn't. He didn't say, man, Judas stepped out. I'm going to have to find somebody else. He already knew that Judas was going to step out when he chose Judas to be an apostle, a disciple. So now we enter with new information that we now know is the apostle Paul. So if we turn to Acts 9, 15, and 16, let's look at that. And we'll see uh, here. 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen, that word chosen, there it is. God chose the 12th apostle. It's the apostle Paul. He said, this is, now who was the chosen one in Acts earlier, Acts chapter one? That was the disciples chosen one. But now, this man, is God is saying, this is literally Christ. He's just, I, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ choosing the Apostle Paul. Here he says, go. This, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and, to, and their kings and to the people of Israel. Does that cover everybody? Yes, Paul is not just the apostle to the Gentiles. Like Paul said in Ephesians 3, he says, yeah, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He says, but in verse, the next verse, he says, but to make plain to everyone the administration of this mission before. You know, that to me says that the scope of Paul's ministry is not just to Gentiles. And Paul didn't only go to Gentiles. 
he was relentless in going to synagogues and helping and trying to persuade Jews to believe in Christ. So here it says, his, he's my instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. And Paul had, Paul had a very special uh, audience in the world at that particular time, which maybe Peter, James, and John would not have had. But Paul did to kings and to the people of Israel. Special instrument, a chosen instrument. I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. <clears throat> that's a, that's a, let us know the 12th apostle. Christ says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And point number two is, and appointed you to that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So the, the first thought is appointed. Let's look at what that word means. Appointed. The Greek is uh, here for you. Tithame. And it means to set, put in place, right? To, to place or lay. To put down, lay down. To bend down. To set forth something to be explained by discourse. To make. To, these are all ways the word could be used, but it is also used to appoint or to fix, to, to establish, to set forth, to ordain. That all comes from Thayer. And this is to say, this word, when he says, not only did I choo choose you, but I choose, I am appointing you, I am or setting you in place. And I like that to, to establish. It's because... That's what the foundation does. It sets in place. It establishes something that God is doing. And that is the whole idea behind Christ designating these disciples as the apostles for the church. Uh, so that's what the word means. And literally it means what we think it should mean. So a point, point, point B is appointed you, uh, these Jewish disciples were appointed as apostles for the church. That's Ephesians 2 and 20. We always always quote that verse, but just why don't we read it? And I want to read the verse before it as well. Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. Notice it's in the Lord. <clears throat> and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So there it is. That's the church. Right. The Gentiles were foreigners and strangers from the purposes and covenants of God. They didn't have any purpose or covenant with God. But the, but the Jews did. They, they had history with God. Gentiles did, didn't, other than salvation. But now Gentiles have an established purpose in, in God. But not as Gentiles. But as the church. So, point C... After the baptism of the Spirit, the church is now a legal entity in God's mind. 
That's 1 Corinthians 10, 32 through 33, which we have read uh, many times in the past. <clears throat> Let's read it. 32. Who, right, because it was prior to this was just Jews and Gentiles. But listen to this now. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, who's anyone, whether Jews, Greeks, Greeks here are representative of Gentiles, or the church of God. So this is interesting that now it's not just Jews and Gentiles. There are three designations in God's mind. Jews, Gentiles, church of God. So then he, he explains in the next verse, even as I try to please everyone in every way. When Paul says he wants to please everyone in every way, this is according to his calling, right? We just saw it in Acts. Paul's saying, I'm trying to fulfill that calling. I want to walk worthy of the calling I've received. So he says, everyone, who's everyone? Jews, Gentiles, and even people in the church. Paul wants to please them all. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. The objective is that people are saved, that's for sure. But he does not want to cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God. That includes everyone. So, an appointed you, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's how we ought to look at that. And then point, uh, this is what happened as a result of the baptism of the Spirit. And then point D, that we might bear fruit. And fruit here, the fruit the disciples bore was the Father's plan for the church. Christ acknowledges it as well. So how do we know? when we? So here we're back to the fruit analogy again which we saw in John 15, 1 through 4. Right? So if we quickly review, which we went over, but we'll certainly review it. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. And I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, the disciples were appointed as disciples. But not only disciples, but that they would bear fruit. And the fruit is the church. Right? So, that's what's in, in question. If we turn to Mac, Matthew 16, 16 through 18, we have more information about it. Matthew 16, 16 through 18. That's an easy one to remember. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That, that was the correct answer. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, what rock? The rock is the confession Peter made. Right? That was the right answer. The Father from heaven revealed to Peter. That's the rock. 
and this is a play on words, Peter Littlestone. But on this rock is the, is the foundation, I will build my church. So now, it is not racial identity that we have in the church. We're not Jews. We're not some particular Gentiles. It is on the confession that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We understand that, and we have come to under. We're not just believing that. We're not just saying the magic words. How did Peter get that information? The Father revealed that information. So Peter had to be receptive enough to the Spirit's leading and the Father's prompting to who Christ was. And sure enough, Peter got it, and he said it. He he vocalized it. And Christ said, yep, that's the truth. And on this rock, on this confession, and you know what? People have to come through the door. They have to be saved in this age before they can be part of the church. And that, that is it's not the truth when it comes to Israel. Israel, you had the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or you were a convert to Judaism. But here, this is the foundation. And this is what builds the church it is the confession that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that salvation, basically. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So no, I mean, this is for sure here, we're back in our notes here, under bearing fruit, that the disciples would bear this fruit. And that means they would have had to be obedient to it. They had to adhere to it. So according to Christ, if you love me, you will obey what, what I command. And this is according to the new information that was that Jesus was introducing to them. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Right? On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I am in you. Believe me when I tell you all this information. Right? This is important. I'm laying this down. You got to follow. And on that day, you will know that I'm right. When the Spirit comes, He will do. We could go on and on about the context that Jesus laid down for them and told them to be obedient and love. Disciples did that. Right? And point E is fruit that will last. I said, well, we can be the judge of this, right? We could, yeah. We can be the judge of this because we're still here. Yes, we are here. And the church has continued for over 2,000 years. Well, when we say we're here, we're not just here. We're here knowing this information, trusting in this information. This this is for us, this, this calling. So no new dispensation has dawned. We are still in the church age, and the church age continues all this time. Now, point F, as to the condition of the church, I know some of us would have something to say about that. I will say God is the only one who can truly judge. Uh, When we look at Revelation 1 through 3, it talks about the seven churches and the problems, the various problems that existed in those churches. 
God is the one who says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking. I know this has happened. And so only God can truly evaluate whether or not the church is doing a good job. But we know we're in this world and we know that before us is God's the plan for the church and there is also for us execution, whether or not we will do what God wants us to do. There is reward in this for us. So we have to think about that God is the one who ultimately will judge this information. It's not us. As to, as to what is going to be truly the effect. Now God is saying that the, his goal is that we all come to unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's God's objective for us. But I can't tell you whether we are or not that. You know, I can tell you what my opinion is. I, can, I do have an opinion about it. And I will say it is not good like Paul said in his day, surely you have heard about the administration of grace, mystery, the administration of grace which is given me to you. That is the mystery. I, he said that you have heard about it, but a lot of people today haven't. I'm talking about church people, people who have believed in Christ or say they have, professed to have, but they are not understanding of this information. So my opinion is it's not good for, for this generation. I don't know about previous generations. I can guess. But we got work to do. Lots of it. I mean, there's probably no idle moment for us. There's so much work to do. Um, but it's up to God who can truly be the judge of this. We can't know. Because I can't, I don't know what's going on around the world. But God knows every person who belongs to the church, wherever they are in the world. God knows what's happening with them. And remember, we're not saying collectively, you know, we all have to. God knows each individual person, and each individual person is called church. We are the church. I am the church. You are the church. It's not a building. It's not some corporation that is out there. It is people who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ in this particular age. So point G, God will prevail. God will prevail in this. Meaning that his plan will move forward. As Jesus said, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Listen, listen. We, it may look bad, and my opinion may be whatever it is. <laughs> and I could say, it's not going too good, God. There's not a lot of people out there who understand the calling that you, you, you know, the dispensational change. They're not following. I could say all that. But one thing I can know, if I fast forward, God will prevail. His plan will succeed. Those sons will be brought into the glorious freedom. And all creation will be liberated from the bondage to decay. And God's plan will ultimately be seen in this world. 
We can know that. Because we can see the end here. Even though we don't have the, the omniscience that God has, <coughs> God has laid it out for us. We can see now all the way to the end and we can know what's going to happen. All we have to do is trust in it. That's it. We already know it's true. It's, God said it. And that's the reality that will happen in the future. That we will succeed. God's plan will prevail. So we're going to have to end at this point in time. We'll, we'll finish the last few points of this next week. And we'll continue with the next verse, which is, This is my command, love each other. And then, actually, that's good because then we'll, we'll shift gears into this next section, which is about the world and their response toward us. Let's bow our heads and close. Thank you, Father, for you have called us to this marvelous plan. What an opportunity we have to be in the world at this time. We're glad you put us here. Even wherever you put us, Lord, we're glad. It doesn't matter where you placed us in the battle. We're just happy to serve. Happy to be here. And representing you and, and, and this eternal purpose, which has also become our purpose for being here. We thank you for Jesus who, who blazed the trail for us. He showed us how uh, we should walk with courage and with wisdom. Father, give us the understanding. Challenge us so that we can grow up to be mature in Christ. And that we learn how to handle ourselves in this world. We thank you for this new year that is upon us, which presents new opportunities for growth, for um, witnessing, to, to more opportunities for, for this world to know who we are and who you are, what your plan is. We are to be heralds of this new information that you have stopped time in order to bring forward. So, Father, we pray for each person affiliated with this church. We pray for church people who are the church all over the world. We understand the call. We understand our mission. So, Lord, we pray that we will have the courage to execute, to do those things in 2021. Uh, if we've done them in earlier years, that we continue to do them and be more efficient at, at your work. So as we look forward to this new year, we understand there will be challenges. We are still in a pandemic. So we pray for safety for this church, uh, churches all over the world. Ask for your wisdom as we can be... Uh, just like Christ as he walked in this world with humility and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. All this we ask in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. 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 Amen.